Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Decoding the Unknown with me, your host, Simon. I'm here. What am I right? In this case, Danny. Thank you, Danny. He's written me a script, The Dark Secret of Identical Twin Town. I think I might have suggested this to Danny. Possibly. Isn't it about... I have no idea what it's about, but I remember seeing this somewhere and being like, that's good for DTU. Let's go. Decoding the Unknown. DTU. It's my internal lingo for this channel. Uh, the format of the show, if you're new here, I've never read this before. We're going to read it together. Let's go. I always assumed that everyone must have at least one friend who is an identical twin. What? I... No. No. Statistically, no. That's really unlikely. Unless I'm mistaken, I don't think I have known ever any identical twins. I've known twins, and I've known twins that look a lot like each other, but they're not identical, technically. And because it's incredibly rare... No? Chances are that you're likely to have at least two friends who are identical twins because their friendship often comes packaged as a matching set. I speak of a personal experience here as I attended primary school with three different pairs of identical twins, although they were all in different classes, and each pair of twins always used to hang around together in exactly the same... I'm mistaken! I... Were they identical? I don't think they... No, they were I'm just trying to think. Like, my sister had a couple of friends... And I don't think they were identical. I think they just looked a lot alike. To the ex- they went to different schools, and I remember one time they got in trouble because they just went to each other's schools for the day because they could, because they looked so similar. But I think they technically weren't identical. But maybe I'm wrong. They didn't look quite the same. And each pair of twins always used to hang around together in exactly the same social circles. But after immersing myself in some intense original research, well, actually just a quick post on Twitter, I discovered that my school was perhaps a little unusual and not everyone has an identical twin in their life. Definitely not! I suppose that the unexpected sight of a pair of identical twins out in the wild still has the capacity to take you by surprise. If you were wandering down the street and randomly bumped into a pair of identical twins, you might do a double take before resuming your business. Would you, wouldn't you just be like, they're, they're probably not wearing identical clothes because they're not being dressed by their parents anymore. So, would you do a double take or would you be like, oh, okay, twins. That's it. Moving on. Also, as people get older, they start to look different because of environmental factors. And also, they probably don't have exactly the same haircut. For some reason, I always imagined identical twins as women. <laughs> I just realized it's always been just, just women in my mind with like haircuts and stuff. And But then I'm like, beard? Yeah, but then there'd be men. And I'm like, oh yeah, men can be identical twins too. Of course they can. What's wrong with me? But what if you bumped into another pair of identical twins about five minutes later, and then another pair, and then another? Well, you'd be like, okay, there's some sort of weird convention or modeling gig going on, or someone's there's an audition for like a, a something somewhere. Unless you're suffering from double vision after indulging in too much baby shamps, this has got to make you feel like something weird is going on. And yet that's exactly the situation you may well experience if you ever happen to visit the small town of Kanjidu Godoy in Brazil, which boasts quite a staggeringly high proportion of twin births in comparison to the rest of the world. Not only is the birth rate of fraternal non-identical twins quizzically high within this modest population, but about half of these are the rarer breed of identical twins, which is itself a deeply curious anomaly. And if that wasn't strange enough, it's reported that the majority of identical twins in this town have blonde hair and piercing blue eyes, which makes it sound like this is the place of a breeding ground for identical batches of identical twins. So, what exactly is going on in Candido Godoy, and what do all these twins want with us? Probably nothing. <laughs> They're probably just twins. This is one of those ones which 
does sound does that like it's one of these ones where I'm like, does this actually exist? Is this actually a real thing, or is this just something that you read around the internet, like I probably did before I suggested this topic to Danny, and then it turns out it's like not actually a thing. Is there something in the water or in the yams? Are we witnessing the birth of a new civilization of super twins who are destined to take over the world? Or is it all down to the secret and ultimately successful continuation of the horrifying experiments originally conducted in Auschwitz concentration camp, which we all foolishly believed had been abandoned at the end of the Second World War? So let's take a visit to the self-proclaimed World Twin Capital for this special double feature episode to see if we... (laughs) It's not a double feature episode, it's just a regular episode, but it's a good joke, isn't it? To see if we can finally put two and two together without the whole thing going pear-shaped, pear-shaped, P-A-I-R-shaped, ah! Back to the egg. The locals don't exactly try to hide their thriving twin population. As you wander into the town of Candido Godoy, one of the first things that you see is a welcome sign that displays the town's official crest bearing two identical profiles, accompanied with the words Garden City and Land of Twins. This small, remote agricultural town sits in the state of Rio Grande do Sol in the southern region of Brazil, right next to the Argentine border. Only around 6,500 residents live there, the vast majority of whom are German immigrants who were first tempted to make it their home after the First World War and the promise of dead cheap farming lands and a stack of financial incentives from the Brazilian government. What? <laughs> Is that really what happens? <laughs> it's like, hey, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what? I just don't understand the logic there. A country being like, yeah, 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 come live here. We'll give you some land for cheap. Specifically Germans! <laughs> There's some reason, right? There's a deeper political reason or something. Most of the residents today still speak in German rather than Portuguese, the official language of Brazil, and many of the quaint shopfronts bear distinctly German names. Whilst this strange twin phenomena is evident throughout the whole town, it's particularly notable in the tiny district of Linha São Pedro, home to about 80 families, which includes over 40 pairs of twins within just a four-kilometer radius. That is statistically insane. Before we start crunching the numbers on the town as a whole, it's first worth considering the general statistical differences between the global birth rates of identical and non-identical twins. Yeah, it's like way, way more likely to just be twins. Like I know plenty of twins, don't know any identical twins. The latter breed, known as Dizzy Gothic or fraternal twins, take shape when two separate fertilized eggs or zygotes stake their place in the womb during the same pregnancy. There's not really a whole world of difference between fraternal twins and regular siblings. They could be of mixed gender, they all share about 50% of the other's genes, and they may bear a passing resemblance, although that's not always the case. The only real difference is that fraternal twins just happen to share living quarters in the womb at the same time, whereas regular siblings get their own private pad in which they can kick back and relax, or kick forward and relax if the mood takes them. I didn't know this until today, but it's actually possible for fraternal twins to have two different fathers if two separate eggs are fertilized by sperm from two different blokes during the same menstrual cycle. Okay, thanks for that info, Danny. Good to know. I'm sure we've all at least one friend who has a different father to their own. (laughs) No, Danny, again, no. Or maybe not, as I gather this type of fertilization, known as heteropaternal superfecundation, is incredibly rare. Meanwhile, monozygotic, or identical twins, are formed when a single zygote splits up into two separate embryos to create a couple of clones harvested from the same fertilized egg. And this is an entirely different thing. Unlike fraternal twins, identical Schwitt twins share 100% of each other's genes, which goes some way to explaining why they tend to look a bit similar. It's much rarer form of pregnancy, although I'm sure we all have at least one friend who has a different mother to their own identical twin. No, Danny! 
Whilst the stats can vary from region to region, all types of twin births account for about 1.2% of pregnancies around the world, or about 12 in every 1,000 births. But if we split up these stats into separate embryos, we see that identical twins account for just 0.4% of all global births, or about 4 in every 1,000. Okay, so it's only three times less likely? I have to say, I thought it was much less likely. If we compare those numbers to twin birth rates in Candido Godoy, uh, we didn't see why this modest farm town has earned its reputation as the twin capital of the world. Here you'll find that twins account for no less than 10% of all births, whilst approximately half of those are of the identical variety. Now, the state of Rio Grande do Sol has a pretty high twinning rate in general, about 1.8% of all pregnancies, compared to what was the global one? 1.2. Okay, it's not a giant jump. But even taking that into account, the town of Candido Godoy still enjoys twin birth rates, which are well over five times the state average and nearly ten times the global average. There's surely something fishy going on. So, the first question we have to ask is how on earth can twinning rates vary significantly across the globe? I'm going to bet that it's a genetic thing. It's got to be a genetic thing, right? I don't think it's environmental. Like, those are the two things we're talking about here, like genetics or environmental. And if you have... I don't know this, but I would imagine, based on what we've got going on here, that if you are a twin, there's some statistical likelihood, uh, increased statistical likelihood, that you are going to have twins. And then if the father was also a twin, then they're also more statistically likely. And then if those two people have the statistics get combined, and it's more likely to happen, which explains why it's only a slight bump. I'd say it's mildly indicative. And by combining them together, we get that slight bump. That seems to make sense. Episode over. No, just kidding. We've got like uh, 12 more pages. I hope it's not just that simple. And then the episode is just like, hey, done. (laughs) But over 12 pages. This must surely point to predisposing factors specific to each region, which can be found abundance in abundance in Candido Godoy. Uh, yeah, it's just the people, though. I don't think it's something specific in that region other than the people. Well, the variance in rates only really applies to fraternal twins. Interestingly, the birth rates of fraternal twins witnessed a sharp rise across the board in relatively recent years. In contrast, the birth rates of identical twins appears to be permanently stuck at 0.4% in most places, and as yet, there are no known factors that contribute to the zygote splitting into two embryos. Despite plenty of scientific research into the matter, we're still pretty clueless today. Just because we don't understand the genetics behind it doesn't mean that it's not a factor. But let's see if we can pick up any clues from the fluctuating fraternals by examining the variation in global twinning rates as a whole. The lowest rates can be found in South America and South Asia, where as few as 5 per 1,000 births are twins. This complicates the case of Candido Godoy just a little bit, as the town is located in a state which has a higher-than-average multiple birth rate, which is situated in a continent which has one of the lowest multiple birth rates in the world. Well, that's pretty easily explainable, isn't it, by the fact that it's largely people of German descent rather than people of Portuguese native descent from, like, the country as a whole at the other end and the continent as a whole and the other end of the spectrum some central african countries see as many as 20 twin births per thousand whilst western countries tend to hover somewhere in the middle and this tells me points again towards genetics because at first what entered my mind was be like oh well i would guess like the richer the country the more twins because the people are leading healthier or like not leading healthier lifestyles we plenty of crap but like generally have better access to healthcare better nutrition they're not lacking any vitamins and minerals and such things like that and that better health might lead to more twins for whatever reason like more eggs happening something like that maybe wild speculation here but then the fact that 
the West is somewhere in the middle, Africa is somewhere at the top, where there's just general, generally poorer people with less good healthcare. That would suggest that it, again, is a genetic thing. It's a genetic thing, right? This is all pushing towards genetics. There are several theories as to what might actually increase the chances of multiple birth. One study published in the Journal of Reproductive Medicine in 2006 suggests that a lot of it is down to diets. Okay, maybe it is environmental. Gary Steinman, MD, PhD, claims in the study that women who consume plenty of milk, cheese, and yogurt are more likely to have twins, which may be bad news for any vegans who are hoping to squeeze out a bumper bundle of joy. According to Steinman's figures, vegans are five times less likely to have twins. Wow, okay. Still, if you don't have any qualms with dairy products and you're hoping for twins, it might be time to go mad with a squirty cheese in a can. I can only assume this is exactly what the people of Central Africa are doing. Incidentally, if we move along a little to West Africa, many people in Nigeria put their particularly high twinning rates down to excessive consumption of yams a point which we'll return to later in the video. But I think I'd rather stick with the squirty cheese, thank you. The age of the mother may also have a role to play when increasing the chances of a multiple birth, as it's been suggested that older mothers between 30 to 40 are more likely to give birth to twins. But again, I would think that the richer the country, the later the women typically give birth. I'm not sure if that is a correct stat, but it feels like a stat that would be correct. This may also help explain the recent surge in twin births from the 1970s onwards as it ties in with a significant increase in maternal age over this period. In fact, the number of twin births in the US alone rose by a staggering 20, 50% between 1980 and 1997. God damn, that's a jump! Another reason for this spike in twins may be down to the rise of fertility treatments that involve the planting of several embryos into the womb. When you're planting multiple embryos in there, this naturally increases the chances of giving birth to multiple babies. It also apparently helps to be quite tall, as one report suggests that mothers of twins are approximately one inch taller than other mothers, but I'm not sure if we're just clutching at straws here. Yeah, IVF dramatically incre uh, increases the chances of twins, right? It's like, I heard someone saying that generally if like twins are born today, the chances of it being IVF is like way higher. Like the, someone having IVF treatment. So you'd be like, yeah, IVF, generally. Right? Well, mate, that does seem like a bit much, doesn't it? From what we have to work with so far, it seems that African mothers eating plenty of yogurt and working hard on increasing their age and height, whilst mothers in South America and South Asia are too short and need to eat much more custard. I don't think much of this helps to explain what is going on in Candido Godoy unless the residents really go to town with their cheese boards. Boil and bubble. So here's a quick question. How many prospective parents are actually hoping for twins? And what would be the reason? It's not something of which I've ever given any thought before. I suppose that some parents may be of the opinion that there's just something incredibly special about raising a pair of twins. Some might feel that having twins is exactly twice as much fun as having one child at a time. Those people are wrong. <laughs> like, I don't have twins, and I know that one is enough. Like, dealing with one at a time. I have two, but they're not twins. But dealing with one at a time is enough. It's enough, I promise you it's enough. Don't hope for twins. <laughs> Whilst others might just like the idea of dressing them up in cute matching outfits until they hit the age of 18. It's very cringe. Attitudes towards twins have changed dramatically over the course of history, and it wasn't always entirely safe to be born to of a kind. Nigeria had some seriously conflicting stances on twins in the 19th and 20th centuries, depending on which region and within which ethnic group you happened to be born. The Yoruba people often viewed twins as some kind of sacred gift from God. They were often believed to have their own supernatural connection with the spirit world and could vastly improve the wealth and fortune of the blessed parents. When such twins threw a seven, they would be honored with special memorial statues, which could be cared for almost as if they were living children. 
It's a bit weird. However, twins born into the Ethic group didn't always have it quite so cushy. They were often viewed as a bad omen, which was destined to bring disaster to the community. Well, just send them all off to the other group. Done. Easy. The mother of twins would be considered guilty of a terrible sin, such as sleeping with two different men, whilst the father would be condemned as an evil spirit. <laughs> I'm not an evil spirit. I just had twins. <laughs> No, I'm not. I'm a real person. There's no spirit. New parents would often just abandon their taboo twins in the bushes to avoid any consequences for giving birth to inhuman monsters. What the f***? That seems a bit harsh. If they had their wits about them, they would have surely realized that they only needed to abandon one of the twins to avoid suspicion. On a very... I assume that's what they were doing, but apparently not. On a very disturbing note, we can't even say that this kind of thing has been entirely consigned to the history books. A report from The Guardian in 2018 suggests that the vast majority of Nigerians are completely unaware that in remote parts of the country, twin babies are still offered up to the gods as a sacrifice to ensure a bumper harvest. No f***ing shot. That's crazy. That's some like, what was those like, the, the Olmecs? or Aztecs or whatever, when they're just like sacrificing their enemies' children? That's some like, properly past nigeria what the fuck however unless you're incredibly unfortunate to be born in such a place the chances are that twins today aren't facing such a gloomy prospect from day one but that's not to say that being a twin doesn't come packaged with its own peculiar set of challenges life as a twin can be very much a double-edged sword i mentioned at the beginning that i grew up enjoying friendships with three different pairs of identical twins who all attended the same small primary school now that i think about it i wonder if they were putting something funny in the ginger beer in my village one of my teachers at the same school made the front page of the local rotherham witch finder paper after she gave birth to quintuplets that's five that's nuts funnily enough i don't think she ever returned to school but i imagine she was kept pretty busy you can't have like identical quintuplets, right? It's not going to split into five different things. That's just where you have like five eggs at the same time or something. That's a lot of kids. The twins from my youth didn't always get along with their identical siblings. I can vividly remember one pair of twins having a particularly nasty argument on the school bus, which culminated in one of them screaming in the face of the other, you ugly wanker. I don't think it really thought that one through. <laughs> I sadly drifted apart from all the twins later in life, but I did very occasionally bump into them during my later pilgrimages to the north of England. The slight problem here is that you forget which is which. When you're regularly hanging out with identical twins, it's very easy to tell the difference between the two, but this becomes harder when you haven't seen them for years and their facial features have changed over the cruel passage of time. I can remember bumping into one of the twins in the gents' toilets of a pub a couple of years back, and he seemed incredibly happy to see me, but straight away I was battling to work out whether he was Romulus or Remus. Names might have been changed to protect their identities. Romulus and Remus, though, are badass names. I decided to take a massive punt by confidently declaring his name early on, along with the reassurance that I'd recognize the cheeky face anywhere. And of course I got it wrong, and he looked crestfallen. Bro, you gotta be used to this shit, no? But that's not quite so bad as a very strange encounter with one of the other pairs of identical twins, which left me scratching my head for days. I found myself working very briefly in a radiator production factory. <laughs> For those of you new to the show, we often get little insights into Danny's life. And Danny is, I think I got an invoice from Danny today and it was like invoice like 230 or something. I'm like, God, and it's like multiple scripts per invoice. And I'm like, holy shit, mate, we've been doing this for a while, haven't we? And it's like, we all learn little things about Danny's life whenever he writes a script. And I had no idea after 230, however many scripts that is, episodes that Danny worked in a radiator factory is new information to me fascinating 
On the very first day, I was surprised to cross paths with one of the twins in the canteen area, but again, I was unsure at first whether it was Pinky or Perky, as I hadn't seen them for years. Again, fake names might be used, but the incident is completely true. Yeah, Pinky and Perky are not the sort of badass names that Romulus and Remus are. I played out my. I wish I'd called my kids Romulus and Remus. One's a girl, one's a boy, but the girl could have been Remus. Son <laughs> Romulus. Badass! I played it differently on this occasion. Rather than blurt out a name in blind hope, I bided my time to see if he wouldn't give me any clues. And he didn't. But never mind, we still had a really pleasant conversation, and I hope to bump into him again later in the week so I might finally figure out his identity. When I did see him again in the canteen a few days later, I, w- I waved hello, but this time he just glared at me before wandering off without saying a word. For the life of me, I couldn't figure out what I'd done to upset him since our last cordial meeting. When I met him for the third time, he was nice and chatty again, so I put the previous encounter down to him just having an off day or something, not down to the fact that it's not him. <laughs> be like, you know he's got an identical twin. If you didn't, I'd feel like this would be, yeah, it's like, okay, you found out later he's an identical twin. But if you know he's got an identical twin, you're like, oh, yeah, it's the other brother who's a dick. <laughs> but then on the fourth occasion, I got the hostile stare again. It was just getting a bit weird. By the second week, I'd finally worked out what was going on. I'd kind of forgotten that whilst I'd parted with Perky on good terms back when I was a kid, I'd had a bit of a minor fallout with the other twin Perky, and he clearly still held a grudge after all of these years. <laughs> this is years. Is someone still holding a grudge from you from school? <laughs> a minor grudge? A minor incident? It's like, you living in that man's r- uh, brain rent-free, bro. It turns out that both of the twins were working in the radio production factory. Shocking news! And whilst Perky was always happy to see me, Pinky felt quite the opposite. At least I managed to figure out which one was which, albeit largely by the scowling. And of course, this is the first of many problems of being a twin. There must be so many times that you get mistaken for the other, and I expect half the time you're wondering if the person you're talking to even knows exactly who you are. Just dye your hair or something if you're that concerned about it. Just be like, okay, well, yeah, well, my brother, we both have brown hair, and I've just decided that I'm going to have, like, blonde hair or whatever. Boom! Done! Easy! Or grow a beard! Or wear glasses! Something like that. I mean, I know genetically you're identical, so you both need glasses. Wear a different pair of glasses. Or if you don't need glasses, just wear glasses anyway! Why not? I'm sure there are plenty of advantages too, such as that deep connecting bonds, which must feel like no other relationship that you can imagine. I suspect there are loads of twins out there who wouldn't have wanted it any other way. You might well be one of them. If not, you might be the other one of them. (laughs) But there's also the risk of having an identity crisis when people continually get your name wrong and they don't even seem to care when you correct them, almost as if the two of you are just completely interchangeable human beings. Wait, 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 what's going on? Are we talking about South America or is just Danny just like contemplating all of his relationships with twins? (laughs) I realize I'm very much enjoying this. I'm like completely lost in Danny's stories. But I'm like, when are we talking about the the, the town? When are we talking about South America? (laughs) Okay, let's just carry on. We'll get there eventually. This is brilliant for my retention on YouTube, by the way. You're quite likely to be packaged together as the twins rather than two separate people, and there are times when the best that you can hope for is some kind of distinguishing label, such as the nice one or the sulky one who's still got the face on after all of these years. You may find that people regularly bring up memories or conversations which are actually relevant to the other twin. You'll never be able to celebrate your own special birthday party as you'll always have to share it with the other. And you'll often have to put up with some very silly questions which run along the lines of, if I stab you in the eye with a fork, would your twin feel the pain? Do people really ask that? Do they... <laughs> It's one of those things where it's like, yeah, yeah. I can imagine this being asked by a, as a joke by people I know, but I could also see it as being asked as a serious question by stupid people, right? <laughs> Life in general may generally just get a little odd. 
I was talking to this with fellow writer Emma. Emma revealed that two of her cousins are fraternal twins who are now pushing 40. Uh, fraternal's not identical, right? One of them got married, and now the three of them live together in the same house. What? It's not some kind of kinky arrangement, but they do share the same house, car, kitchen, and everything else. I couldn't help feeling that life must be a bit strange for the non-married twin. They do get to share everything except the bedroom juice. They must feel as if they became the runner-up. Still, the residents of Candido Godoy don't appear to have too many hang-ups about living in Twintown. In fact, they seem to quite like the attention. They hold a biennial? Biennial? That's every year? They hold a biennial party. Is that like once a year or twice a year? Or once every, once every two years or twice a year? How's that work? Around a large fertility statue of a woman holding two babies. They rush indoors to grab the twins and pose for photographs whenever, whenever yet another news crew rolls into town to try and get to the bottom of the mystery. They flog bottles of local fertility water to tourists who are hoping for twins, and they've even recently opened a museum called the House of Twins, although I suspect it might get repetitive very quickly. Ah! The locals have their own theories about why the town produces so many twins within such a small space. Some of them reckon it's a message from God. Others reckon that it's got something to do with aliens. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. Remember at the beginning we said environmental or genetic. Those are the two things that we should be considering. It's not aliens. One local farmer pointed out to journalists that everything here is twinned, included pieces of sugarcane, the corn, and the cows. In fact, the twin bug may have been caught by the cows long before it started spreading to humans. One popular theory is that it's all down to special minerals that can be found exclusively in the local water supply. This is extracted from the Roosevelt, R- Roosevelt River, formerly known as the Rio de Davida, which translates as River of Doubt. Despite the strong element of doubt in this theory, it might still be the best that we have to work with so far. I mean, so far, because the other things we've considered are aliens and what was it? God. <laughs> so no, and no, and maybe. After all, there's something seriously kooky happening here. It's perhaps understandable that there might be some broad differences in twinging rates from continent to continent, which could potentially be down to diet or environment or cultural factors. But here we have a single small town in which the figures are dramatically higher than anywhere else in the same state. Yet, much like a twin, this situation is not entirely unique. I think it's just genetics because they're not traveling. It's like they're all getting inbred. <laughs> they're all it's twins are inbreeding with each other. Whilst the town of Candido Godoy probably has a higher twin birth rate than anywhere else in the world, there are a couple of other places on the map which are seeing double without attracting quite so much publicity. The village of Kadinhi in the Malapuram district of Kerala in India has a small population of around 2,000, with no less than 408 of those residents originating from multiple births. That's pretty wild. Or to put it another way, the village contains over 200 sets of twins if we're lumping them together as packages, which of course is an insensitive thing to do, so let's just stick with the idea of 408 well-rounded individuals. Well, they're not identicals, right? They're mostly going to be fraternals. This was apparently first noted back in the 1940s, and as yet, scientists have been unable to reach a definitive cause for the high proportion of twins, ruling out pollutants and dietary or chemical factors. It's particularly odd that the village is located in India, which has one of the lowest twinning rates in the world. Another curious example takes us back to Nigeria, but in this case, many of the locals feel fairly confident that they understand the very specific reason behind the surprising stats. As we mentioned earlier, Nigeria has one of the highest twinning rates in the world, which is perhaps a little unfortunate considering how some of them have been treated over the course of history. The twin capital of Nigeria is probably the city of Igboor in the southwest, which boasts a population of around 280,000. And although the exact figures are hard to come by, it's blatantly obvious to anyone wandering through the city that twins make up a significant portion of the locals. But it's believed by many.
many that this is all simply down to the heavy consumption of yams. The Yoruba people seem to be particularly fond of the bountiful yams found in the region, and bearing in mind that the Yoruba trait twins as a blessed gift from God with supernatural powers, it's understandable why so many women purposefully binge on yams in the hopes of conceiving twins. Research carried out at Lagos University Teaching Hospital concluded that it was the actual peels of the yams which contained chemical substances that seemed to encourage the release of more than one egg during a single pregnancy. Okay, really? The study also suggested that there may be some kind of environmental factor which promotes the high level of these chemicals found in Nigerian yam peels. However, not everyone is convinced by these findings. Robert Asiadu is a yam specialist, not many of those about, who explained to the Science in Africa magazine, nobody has provided any scientific explanation or evidence that could prove that yam consumption can cause multiple births. Oh, all of this talk of yams is making me hungry for yams. I'm just hungry in general. It's 1.30pm on a Wednesday after I haven't eaten anything today, and I won't eat anything today. I'm doing two days of fasting per week as part of like... This year, I was like, I'm going to get fit and healthy. So I go to the gym a lot, and I've just been trying to lose some of my excess little fat around the edges. And I've been doing fasting to help with that, and it's working, but it's really hard. <laughs> I'm so hungry. I'll have a small snack for dinner. I'm already looking forward to it. I'm like, oh, that dinner, dinner snack's going to be awesome. I'm just drinking black coffee, water the whole day. I mean, I know it keeps you healthy, but God, at what cost? Maybe a pickle. Pickles contain, like, no calories, and they're super delicious. It's like, you could eat, like, I looked it up, this, I've got this giant bottle of pickles. And if you ate all of the pickles, it's like 100 calories. And like, that's madness. So I occasionally have a little pickle. And it has to be said that although we keep hearing theories about yams and dairy products and, I don't know, pickled pork pies, uh, we still haven't had any definitive proof that multiple births are linked in any way to dietary intake. That even applies to the consumption of magic water. Heading back in the direction of Candido Godoy, a team of researchers analyzed the water supply of, the Candido, of Candido Godoy in the 1990s and found no abnormalities of any kind, so there definitely isn't something in the water, but that doesn't stop some of the locals from trying to shift their special local fertility water onto tourists anyway. Oh, well, you know, look, that's not anything new, is it? You could wander to any shop in your town, any shop, you could wander to a shop in your town that sells water with magical memories, because that's what I mean is and it's nonsense. So, it would seem that the parents of Candido Godoy aren't doing anything significantly different to anyone else in the state of Rio Grande do Sol in Brazil. They aren't gorging themselves on dairy products or yams, which are unlikely to make a real difference anyway. They aren't having babies much later in life than other parents in the state, they're not taking any kind of exclusive local treatment, and they don't tend to be about an inch taller than anyone else in the vicinity. So perhaps all of this moves us away from theories involving human habits and points us towards a very specific event which took place in Candido Godoy many years ago. The most popular theory of all involves dark secrets and human experimentation, which began when a new eccentric doctor arrived in town in the 1960s, after which life would never be the same again. The Return of Dr. Mysterio the German doctor's name was Rudolf Weiss, and by all accounts, he was a likable, genteel soul who earned the respect of the locals. At around 50 years old, Rudolf wasn't just a doctor, he was also a vet who was happy to travel around the town making house calls to help heal every breed of creature in one handy visit, regardless of whether the patient was human or horse. I feel like I don't want my doctor also being a vet, and I don't want my vet also being a doctor. Because it's like, these are things where I'd really like you to be specialized in one or the other. It's like, someone might be like, yes, but I'm brilliant. It's the same thing as like when the waiter comes to your table and you make a complicated order and he doesn't write anything down. It, just pretend to write something down or pretend just to not be a vet. 
Because it doesn't make me like think you're amazing. It just makes me worry that you're going to screw up my order. And the reality is, you probably might. He seemed to take particular interest in pregnant women, pulling out all kinds of new and weird and wonderful treatments and drugs from his medical bag to help expectant mothers, mothers through their pregnancies. It was said that the surgeon twin births only began to gather momentum about a year after Dr. Rudolf Weiss had arrived on the scene. But then one day, he just seemed to vanish into thin air and was never heard from again, leaving behind a town now bustling with twins. I think that the old doctor here is a little bit apocryphal. It wasn't until over 40 years later that Argentinian historian Jorge Camarasa began to put together the pieces and came to a shocking conclusion. Rudolf Weiss never existed. Uh, of course he didn't. The name was just an alias. What? To protect the German, identi- German physician's true identity. His real name was Joseph Mengele. Or you might know him better as the Angel of Death. Yeah, yeah, the Auschwitz monster. During the Second World War, the Nazi doctor Joseph Mengler had taken the position of resident physician at the Auschwitz concentration camp, a diverse role which involved a wide range of challenging duties, including selecting which victims were to be sent to the gas chambers and administering the gas, selecting which victims were meant to be guinea pigs for horrifying experiments, drawing up a weekly rotor, and developing a new master Aryan race of blonde-haired and blue-eyed citizens for the Third Reich. We'll never know for certain just how many victims died directly at the hands of Joseph Mengele, as he wasn't great at paperwork. <laughs> Sounds like he's learned a lesson. Don't write down your crimes. But grim estimates stretch as high as 400,000. And he was destined to evade any justice for his barbaric role in the concentration camp, as he somehow managed to remain hidden in the shadows for the rest of his life, until his eventual death from natural causes in 1979. Well, fuck that. Who was that one that, was it Mossad? The Israelis went and they got him and they took him back to Israel and they executed him? Can't you do that for Joseph Mengler as well? Like, I can't remember the other dude's name, but this one's the one. He's, he's worse. This Mengele dude, right? He's the angel of death. Mengele was particularly interested in sourcing twins for his abhorrent eugenical experiments, and they were often diverted from the gas chambers or even just plucked from the streets. It was said that he was interested in quickly increasing the population of the Aryan race by unlocking the secret to breeding twins, which could potentially compensate for all the millions of German soldiers who were going out and getting killed in the war. He wanted to speed up the process of Aryan replenishments. There was another practical point to his twin hunts, and a reason why he favoured the sourcing of identical twins in particular. If he was working with, or rather working on, a pair of subjects who were almost identical in every biological respect, he could use one as the control and one as the test. Even if one of the twins became sick after his twisted experiments, he still had a perfectly healthy specimen which could be used to observe and compare. And becoming sick was a tragically likely outcome for the subjects, as very few are believed to have survived the experiments, which included purposefully infecting a lethal disease into the body and amputating healthy limbs. Miklos Niesli, a Hungarian prisoner of Jewish heritage who was forced against his will to work with Mengler in the laboratory, later recalled one particular session in which the Nazi doctor killed 14 twins on the same day by injecting all of their hearts with chloroform. Even the twins who were fortunate enough to survive the actual procedures were only likely to be sent back to the gas chambers. The experiments finally came to an end when Soviet forces advanced on Auschwitz in 1945 and Mengele fled the country, having failed in his monstrous mission to create a new master race. Or had he? According to the 2010 book Mengele, the Angel of Death in South America, the physician hadn't quite been ready to give up on his work just yet. He eventually resumed his experiments in secret in the little town of Candido Godoy under the alias of Dr. Rudolf Weiss. And considering the reported huge spike in twin births after his prolonged stay in the 1960s, it might even be suggested that the Angel of Death quietly triumphed in his assignment of creating a master race of blonde-haired, blue-eyed citizens who were destined to duplicate at double the usual rate. 
The Argentinian historian Jorge Camarasa claims in his book that after spending the best part of two decades in hiding around Europe and South America, Mengler eventually settled down in the German settlement of Colinas Unidas in Paraguay in 1963. It was whilst he was living there that he first began to make regular trips across the Brazilian border to another German settlement, Candido Godoy, where he secretly set up his new laboratory to continue the work that had been interrupted by the unconditional surrender of Germany. A recent mayor and town doctor of Candido Godoy, Dr. Anacia Flores de Silva, claims to have interviewed hundreds of older residents in order to get the full story. Apparently, many of them do indeed remember a slightly odd German doctor and vet called Rudolf Weiss who used to roam around the town in the 1960s taking a particular interest in pregnant women. Apparently, he was a cultured and dignified man with excellent bedside manners and he always seemed to have strange new drugs and potions on hand to treat his pregnant patients, with some witnesses saying that he had regularly collected samples from the women after performing unusual tests. One witness claimed that in his vet role, he was strangely obsessed with the concept of getting the cows to produce twins. Maybe this did all start with twin cows, after all. The former mayor also believed that a number of people he tried to speak with were holding back information on the mysterious Dr. Weiss. He said, In a region full of Nazis, there are some that remain silent, who are scared. It is important that we discover the truth. It has to be said that whilst the population of Candido Godoy embraced their association with twins, quite a few of them aren't happy to be associated with Joseph Mengele. Paolo Sothia is the curator of the town's House of Twins Museum, and he feels strongly that the joyful population of this German community doesn't deserve to be connected with a murderous criminal. He raged the press, There are no Nazi sympathizers in this region. People who are speculating about Mengele are doing so to sell books. He studied the twins phenomena in Germany, not here. So, Who's right? The Argentinian historian and writer, backed by the former mayor and town doctor, or the local museum curator? Well, Joseph Mengele made a pretty efficient job of covering his tracks back in the day, although he had a few remarkably close shaves in which his capture was thwarted by careless mistakes and clerical errors. But we've since been able to fairly accurately retrace his steps after he fled Germany in fear of facing trial over war crimes. <laughs> I wonder why I'd have that fear. Maybe because he was a horrible war criminal. He initially fled to Czechoslovakia in 1945, where he was briefly captured by the Americans and held as a prisoner of war. The only problem was that the Americans didn't realize who exactly they were holding, largely because the Allied forces hadn't yet got round to identifying him as a wanted criminal, so he was swiftly released. He made his way to South America in 1949, briefly working under a false name as a carpenter in Argentina before moving to Paraguay in the 1950s. By the very early 1960s, he'd settled down on a cattle farm in the municipality of Serra Negra in Sao Paulo, Brazil. Mengler had bought half the farm, while the other half belonged to Jezza and Gita Starmer, a nice Hungarian couple who believed that Mengele was a gentleman by the name of Peter Hochbichler. They initially had no idea that they'd just thrown their life savings into a cattle farm collaboration with the Angel of Death. The Stammers eventually figured out the true identity of their business associate after coming across a photo of Mengler in the newspapers. Although they were now keen to rid themselves of this wretched creature, they were also worried that they could get themselves in trouble for harboring a fugitive. It's reported that Mengele bought their continued loyalty for the next few years for the princely sum of $2,000. Oh, that's such a shame. Wasn't there like a large bounty on his head? Like... Israel, you should have been like, yo, million dollars. Because that's not a lot of money to a government, but it's a hell of a lot of money to some random farmer in Brazil. So just be like, yeah, million dollars. Uh, just give them money. 
and get Mengele and take him back to Israel and chop his fucking head off. During this period, he began work on his autobiography, which contained no less than 75 pages, 74 pages, sorry, dedicated to his own birth, including a page and a half in which he described his own placenta. I'm really surprised that nobody has bothered to snap up the movie rights to this astonishing piece of work. It's believed that these memoirs were intended to somehow justify his experiments in the concentration camp while passing on his wisdom to his son, Rolf. If so, it failed spectacularly on both counts. Rolf did secretly meet up with a father he never really knew towards the end of Mengele's life and was hoping to talk to a man consumed with regret and shame over his actions. Rolf later reported that he was greatly saddened to instead talk with an unrepentant Nazi who claimed to have been only following orders and carrying out his duty. The pair never met again. Good, I hope that ate at Mengele. It's like his son hates him. It's like, yes, yes. Like, I've, I've mentioned it already in this episode. I'm like, I've got kids. And if, like, one of them actually hated me, like, properly, I mean, they'll be like, I hate you, Dad. I mean, they're not yet because they're too young and sweet. But they get upset with me sometimes. And even that feels sad. And if, But they don't hate me. If one of them genuinely hated me, I'd be so sad. I'd be like, what, what have I done? And I, you know it's your fault. It's my fault. They're half me. And I raised them with my wife, obviously. In fact, she probably does. She definitely does my work in that regard. <laughs> but it'd be so sad and it's your fault. Ah. Fortunately, and hopefully they won't. Because I love them. <laughs> Bloody children. <laughs> so annoying. Mangler eventually fell out with the Stammers for good in 1974, after which he spent his final years living in a small rented bungalow in Sao Paulo in Brazil. He died in 1979 after suffering a stroke during a swim Beratoga Beach. A passing doctor tried in vain to save his life, although it may have been more fitting just to amputate some of his limbs and inject him with chloroform. Although he was originally buried under the false name of Wolfgang Gerhard, his remains were exhumed in 1985 and officially identified for the first time as Joseph Mengele. His family members have since repeatedly refused requests by the Brazilian government to send the remains back to Germany, whilst his skeleton is now quite bizarrely used as an educational tool at the Sao Paulo Institute for Forensic Medicine. Just throw him in a box and throw him off a boat. So, whilst the Nazi doctor may have evaded justice for his war crimes, he instead lived out his final 30 years as a frightened, bitter and lonely fugitive who could never return home. Yeah, I'd still rather he was just executed. And whilst he certainly spent the latter half of his life in Brazil, there's certainly no evidence to support that he ever got within about 800 miles of the town of Candido Godoy. Even if he had made his way to the town, I can't see how he could possibly have been responsible for a rapid spurt in twin growth as he would have lacked the technology, the facilities, the equipment, and the knowledge. Maybe there really was a Dr. Rudolf Weiss knocking around the town, who in no way was connected to Mengler aside from shared fascination with twins. And let's just imagine for a moment that his experiments were successful. As most accounts seem to indicate that he just vanished without a trace at some point in the 1960s, you would have expected the twin rate to have dropped sharply after his sudden disappearance, but that's not the case. I still think if Rudolf Weiss ever existed, he was only ever interested in twinning the cows. But if you dig deeper into the stats, you'll find that the Argentinian writer and historian Jorge Camarasa was clearly talking out of his ass when he made a claim in his book that the twinning rate in Candido Godoy only began to surge when a mysterious doctor rolled into town in the 1960s. It hasn't been possible for anyone to track down old birth certificates or hospital records relating to the town, but the records relating to baptism registry stretch right back to 1927, and a recent study of 6,615 of these baptism registries revealed that the town was already bursting with twins when the first German immigrants landed shortly after the First World War, and the rate has gradually risen over subsequent years with no noticeable surge in the 1960s. One more time. It was already bursting with twins when the first German immigrants landed. Okay, so there we go. The German immigrants come, twins increase. It's genetic. 
there's something it just happens to be that those people were predisposed to having twins statistically just shake it roll of the dice that's what happens and then obviously they're all staying in this small little german community in brazil and they're all like Again, all incestuous. I mean, not really, because there's like lots of them. But you know what I mean. It's like an in. There's there's a group. There's a smaller group, and they're all just genetically more likely to have more twins with each other because they're all they got twins. Like I said earlier in the episode, when I said there's like twelve pages left. <laughs> right. This is the answer. It has to be the answer. So there's clearly no way this has anything whatsoever to do with the mysterious vanishing doctor or Mengele's much later arrival in Brazil. It seems more likely that some people just became fascinated with the concept of so many blonde-haired, blue-eyed twins squeezed together in one place and assumed that it must have something to do with Mengele's infamous experiments with twins during his efforts to create an Aryan master race. Perhaps the museum curator Paolo Celtio was right all along when he suggested that the proponents of this theory were just trying to shift books. Could be said, money's that motivator there, isn't it? Twin Peaks We might be better off listening instead to the conclusions reached by Dr. Ursula Mata in the 1990s, which noticeably don't involve Nazi doctors or magic fertility water or stuffing yourself silly on yams. A researcher at the Medical Genetics Unit at Porto Alegre Hospital in Brazil, Dr. Mata and her colleagues were invited to Candido Godoy in 1994 to conduct their own research into the puzzle. This was the same team who analyzed the local water supply and found nothing strange bubbling away down there, and the very same team who dug up all those baptism registries dating back to 1927. And Dr. Matter's final verdict is based on the concept that having twins can be slightly addictive. Okay? Although we're still not entirely sure why, it's widely accepted that fraternal twins stand more of a chance of running in the family on the mother's side at least. Boom! There appears to be some kind of genetic link which is passed down the generations and increases the chances of a fraternal birth by up to 29%, which is massive. So if the family tree on the mother's side has a history of fraternal twins, the expectant mother may have inherited the genes which increase the chance of releasing more than one egg during the same pregnancy. The chances of fraternal twin birth increase even more if the mother is a fraternal twin herself, although looking at the bigger picture, the odds are still heavily stacked against it. Oh, and whilst people often talk about twin twins skipping a generation in twin-friendly families, that's just a complete myth. None of this has any bearing on identical twin births, where the same zygote is split into two embryos, as we have no real clue as to what exactly causes the split. And of course, none of this explains, in itself, why the twinning rates are so extraordinarily high in the small town of Candido Godoy, but it does give us a starting point. And if we go right back to the real starting point of Candido Godoy, the first small group of German settlers already had 17 pairs of twins amongst their number. Boom! Roll of the dice, they had more twins! Many of them hailed from the Hunsruck region of Germany, which has a pretty high twinning rate in comparison to global figures. And many of them had blonde hair and blue eyes, which are typically seen as Aryan features. This whole thing about the blonde hair and blue eyes thing has possibly been greatly exaggerated anyway. It's often suggested that every twin in the town bears these characteristics, which makes it sound as if every twin looks spookily identical. There are certainly quite a lot of twins sporting blonde hair and blue eyes of their forefathers, but this doesn't apply to all of them by any stretch of the fevered imagination. Now, this small and pretty isolated community grew in size over the subsequent years, but it's not like they had many outsiders joining their circle to help increase the population. So, what did they do? And I begin to see where this is going now. Yes, without too many other options for the local procreation menu, they had to make do with what they had. So, in a small community descended from a region with a high twinning rate, the already high proportion of twins began mating with other twins within the same families. That level of inbreeding and genetic isolation has got to help increase the odds of producing yet more twins quite a bit. 
It's an unusual principle known as the founder effect, in which a small group of migrants effectively begin founding their own distinct population from a limited gene pool. And Dr. Mate even reckons that her team may have identified the specific gene at work in this case. After conducting DNA tests on dozens of mothers of twins in the town, the team found that the gene TP53 appeared to be the common shared factor, or if we're being specific, the P72 allele of the TP53 appeared to be the connection with multiple births. That's not to say that Dr. Matter's team had discovered the universal twin gene. As Dr. Matter explained to New Scientist magazine, the results may have been very different if the study had been conducted on mothers of twins living in different areas of the world. A recent study on gene variants reported by the American Journal of Human Genetics in 2022 has indicated that the genes FSHB and SMAD3 may play specific roles in stimulating the ovaries to produce more eggs, but it may be a while before more definitive answers are hatched. That's okay, it's a genetic thing. Boom! 12 <laughs> it's genetic, but I'm glad we debunked the other stuff. And we're still none the wiser as to why the number of identical twin births in Candido Godoy are so disproportionately high. But from what we can gather today, it does seem as if the real answer to the mystery of Candido Godoy can be found lurking somewhere in genetic traits rather than dairy food or Hitler's mates. Incidentally, getting a bit too intimate with your own family members may also go some way to explaining the twin epidemic in the Indian village of Kadini, in which marriages between family members is practiced. None of this may be surprising to the actual locals of Candido Godoy. You'd think that they might not be so keen on discussing the theory that their famous twin population is all down to inbreeding, although I suppose it's several steps up from the theory of it all being down to the experiments of a Nazi war criminal. One local 22-year-old twin spotted by the New York Times in 2009 took time in between posing for yet more photographs to give her take on the matter. Fabian Grimm, who is part of a family with five different sets of twins, gave a casual tr- shrug and told the reporter, It's not much of a mystery to me. My brother married his third cousin. There are lots of cases like that, people marrying their cousins or other close family members. Still, maybe this third cousin? That's very distant, isn't it? <laughs> maybe there's some more than one possible answer to this riddle. I'm sure we all have at least one friend who's an identical tw- twin born from incest Nazi experimentation and yam addiction. Chances are you have at least two. And that's where we end today's episode. Thank you so much, Danny, for writing it. Uh, thank you, dear listener or viewer if you're on youtube for watching this if you are listening why not leave us a rating on spotify that would be amazing it helps get this show in front of more people which uh well that's just a benefit for me isn't it really there's no benefit to you except you get to feel good inside about helping me out which is nice isn't it isn't it thanks for watching seeking the truth never gets old Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.